Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 488 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's a momentous occasion because we've got more Philly stuff to talk about. The Phils are back. The Eagles are flying high. Tyrese Maxey's out of his walking boot. And uh, we're in the endgame of Survivor Season 43. So stick around for that at the end of the episode if you're a real one. But it's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We've got quite a bit to talk about. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials. Twitter, Instagram, at UndergroundPHI, Facebook.com slash UndergroundSportsPHI. And if you're watching live, you can watch live every Wednesday night for now on Twitch.tv slash UndergroundSportsPHI. Uh, follow Matt on Twitter at MattCastarena. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It helps the show continue to grow. Takes it to the next level where Matt and I want to take this thing, including all of our podcasts on the network. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia on your podcast app of choice. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes, live streams, original content, of everything we've got going on here at Underground Sports, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're on that road to 1,000 subscribers. We're currently at 322. When we get to 1,000, big things are going to pop off all across the network, so make sure you subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything Matt and I discuss on tonight's show, and uh, be a friend, tell a friend, and share the channel with your people. And also, big shout-out to the sponsors who make this show happen Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, uh, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream. We are certainly living quite the dream as Philadelphia is once again a Major League Baseball destination. We got our wish. Trey Day happened amongst a, a flurry of moves, not only with the Phillies, but across Major League Baseball. But the big one, Trey Turner is a Philadelphia Philly, signs an 11-year, $300 million contract, still reported, not official from the Phillies account yet, uh, or you know, just from the, the front office, but th- 11 years, $300 million for Trey Turner. He turns down a $342 million contract from the San Diego Padres to be closer to home, be closer to his wife's home and to come play with his best friend, Bryce Harper. And we've talked about this a number of times when we were talking about Trey Turner this offseason, when we were talking about players last offseason. The pull that Bryce Harper has as a guy to help recruit here, the fact that the Phillies went to the World Series this past off se- or this past season, Philadelphia's a destination again, Matt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of insane that like two of the biggest – free agency acquires I think in Philadelphia sports history have happened in the last five years for the Phillies (laughs) yeah it's uh it's kind of bizarre the way that's turned out um Bryce Harper in touch with his Mormon roots converting uh (laughs) converting and and bringing people into the fold so you love to see it but it's yeah it's it's a it's a great signing um you know I I never like when people automatically start talking about like the last because people did it with with Bryce's contract too. It's like well those last few years. It's like who cares? Who care? Like the goal is clearly in the next two or three seasons to win a World Series, um, and you just live with that. You live with the consequences afterwards. So, um, you know, and uh, he's he's a great player. Fills a, a huge need for the Phillies. 
and I'm glad it got wrapped up early. Uh, we were talking about how nothing ever happens at the winter meetings. It feels Man. like every year uh, they get like really, really blown up, and we've had the two biggest free agents dusted, done. Whew. So that's uh, that's nice. I guess I guess the the one year they got it right that uh, things were actually going to happen at the uh, the World Series finally happened. Unreal. Uh, Trey Turner's here. The contract, no full no trade clause in the deal as well. So he's going to be here. It's going to take him from his age 30 to age 40 seasons. Now um, the longest he will, like, by contract, he'll be the longest serving Philly. At least, like, he'll be here the longest. Like, yeah. I think it's a, it's a few years longer than Bryce's deal. So Which is insane. Um, I believe his – let me let me not speak out of turn. But I believe he changes tw- his Instagram. Oh, did he? Um, yeah, his Instagram – Biopic is him photoshopped in. There we go. Form, so uh, uh, clearly, like <laughs> every Phillies free agent now has attended at least one course of Bryce Harper, Nick Sirianni pandering 101. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the next one in just a minute. But... I'm imagining him showing up with like a cheesesteak in one hand <laughs> and a yingling in the other, and <laughs> like I. Like an eagle's hat on. Like, yeah, I'm just excited to see our birds play the the boys. Yeah, what's going on, guys? First time, long time. I loved these dudes when I was with the Nationals. Bring back the Spectrum. Bryce told me all about it. Spectrum Sixers uniforms. Bring those all the way back. Yeah. So, good. To, it's great. I mean, it really can't understate it enough, like, what a, a great player he is. And, um, I mean, too, like, even if you look at the, the AV, it's not bad. Um not that it's my money, so I don't care. Exactly. But you know, like I, I think it's again, you know, I, I think it's it's a fair deal. And every year we say this too, like you sign like these big free agents, and two or three years later, you look at the contracts that get handed out. It's like, damn, we uh, we got in at the right time. You know, you look at the Bryce deal now, and you think like, what a a great value that is on a player like him. So yeah, I, I uh, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the MVP conversation, like, got votes three of the years of his career. He finished second in the Rookie of the Year voting uh, in 2016. And this is a guy who is, you know, he's one of the best shortstops in baseball, defensively and offensively. He's going to steal bases for you. I saw something on the MLB Network, like, ticker that they have. I think the only player of the last three seasons, I think it was, that has more stolen bases than Trey Turner is Starling Marte. Yeah. Like, if you put – like, my hope is that they put Trey Turner at the top of this lineup, let him hit leadoff, and then he's on the base pass for Schwarber to do what he did last year just with at least one guy on base. That's going to be a complete, like, cataclysmic shift for – this offense to just produce more like it's great that Kyle Schwarber can go up there set the tone hit a home run to lead off but if he's coming up and doing that with a Trey Turner on base later in the game with maybe a Brandon Marsh and Trey Turner on base like it's only going to make this offense that much more potent than what it was last year and when Bryce is back healthy this is arguably the best offense in baseball yeah I mean it's um I I think what you said too about like his ability to to get on base and how dangerous he could be you know you think about that for the regular season but you saw how important that is in the playoffs again too right like having someone that can be like a dangerous runner this team does not have a lot of uh (laughs) gifted runners (laughs) on it so it's literally like jt yeah um so like and and so much of that too is i think a little bit instinctual rather than like something you can really coach like i i just think too and you also have to be athletic enough to be fast and, and and have that like actual capability so yeah i, I uh i think he's gonna be a, a, a huge improvement to this team and i think you know especially when you consider you're gonna be without bryce for a half the regular season um you know someone's got to carry like a little bit of offensive load this helps you figure things out a little bit more it gives you a little bit of versatility and yeah, i think defensively too i mean christ like you know Phillies were able to lock it in in the playoffs, but, you know, the regular season does matter too. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it matters to, to win the division. You know, I know it didn't play out necessarily that way in the in the NL, at, at least this year, playoffs-wise, for who had a home field advantage, but, you know, it, it matters. It matters when you, you have guys that can get you those those big outs, and, um, yeah, it's it's a, 
it's like an aggressive positive move by the Phillies, which is good. Like this is ultimately again, you can like have your complaints, but this team has not been afraid to spend money. They've not right. been afraid to to push the chips in, and a lot of fan bases. In fact, I would say like. I don't know. There's probably like 25 fan bases that would love for their like team to be all in like the Phillies are, you know, like whatever you, you can say about it. Like if it works, it doesn't work. But like the Phillies are not shying away from this like moment, you know, which is good. Yeah. Like they're just like, all right, we saw what we can do with the roster we had last year. And I saw a great tweet too. I think it was Dave Esser tweeted it. Um, you know, noted farm destroyer, Dave Dombrowski, has assembled this team and has traded one notable prospect for a guy who is 24 years old, is under club control for the next five years, and hopes to be your center fielder of the future. Yeah, and that, yeah, exactly. And that wasn't like for a rental, you know, or something, yeah. you know, like where it's, it, it's a, it's a move that makes sense in, in a multitude of ways. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I'm happy. Like, I'm just looking at like war. You know, like looking at like how like Trey would would stack up with the last season's team. You know, so like, uh, do you know who our war leader was actually last year? It's a, this probably isn't a surprise because he just plays so goddamn much and is in such a an important position. Had to have been JT. Yeah, uh, six point five war. Then Nola with six, Zach Wheeler with five point one. Trey Turner I think had had a four point nine war. So he would have yep. been our our really second best like positional player. And there was Reese with 2.9. Bryce, despite <laughs> only playing 90, uh, 99 games, had a 2.5. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that kind of highlights it right there, right? Like, <laughs> what a year that Bryce had, even without that. So, you know, he, he fits in well. Um, and, yeah, it's, man. It feels, you know, like, I, I think, too, like, about the farm, too, because we'll, we'll get into the next time we talk about. But, you know, like, we have these, like, two pitching prospects now, too, that – you feel like can give you something through the course of this season. And you know, that that's important, you know, like Phillies really haven't yet cleared the decks to, to get here quite yet. Like, and that can be important because you could use that, you know, yeah. like we, we get attached to these guys and, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about painter and, you know, like we'll, and we'll, we'll be thinking like, wow, these guys are it, but you know, they're not always it. And sometimes they get you the, the, the piece that you really need in that moment. So, yeah, I mean, Trey Turner being here is massive, kind of set the market for the shortstops and kind of was like that first domino, I feel like, to really like get things to, to start rolling this offseason. Um, and, I mean, it got started a little bit earlier, and I love that Dave Dombrowski, uh, you know, ruined the parade for the Mets. As, uh, we get to hate on Kate Upton even more, man, as Justin Verlander is going to New York after their lord and savior, Jacob deGrom, is going to Texas. She did shit on the Yankees, though. It's and true. So for that, you know what? Well done. <laughs> game, respect, game. You know, uh, you know, Degrom gone, replaced with Verlander, who is forty years old, but is coming off uh, a Cy Young season. He's won two out of the last three American League Cy Youngs. How much of that is attributed to the Houston Astros? You know, pitching, and we've seen that with a number of guys. You know, Garrett Cole really hasn't been the same since he left the Astros. We'll see what happens with Verlander. But now the Mets are relying on two guys who are in the geriatric ward in terms of sports with Max Scherzer, who got hurt last year in the postseason, got lit up by the Padres, and now Justin Verlander in their rotation. And they also went out and signed Jose Quintana. And I guess they're just assembling guys in their rotation that the Phillies love to light up. Quintana, I, I liked. I And I know that the Phillies were like sniffing around there too. I would not have mind. Even at the trade deadline, was yeah. someone that um you would have liked uh, so I I don't mind that signing for Verlander though it's like man the Mets are are, are a little bit confusing <laughs> you know like it's just I I in some ways I get though like I I think they're trying to build like this stable perennially competitive team while they like build the farm system yeah you know like in and just kind of become like I think they're really trying to like import that Dodgers model right where it's you're you're able to spend money in free agency but you're not going to be spending money like they have been the last yeah. two seasons um but you have that ability to break out you know the 30 to 40 million dollar a year type deals but you have that like steady stream of you know, every year you're getting one or two guys that are, are contributing for you um from your farm system because that's that is ultimately you know I think the the ideal way that, that teams want to be run, that the teams aspire to. So I guess that's the direction they're heading. But um, they have, what, like 80-something million tied up between Verlander and Scherzer? Yeah. Which, I mean, they're both, like, 
I can't say they're not great pitchers, but you know, like both of them have their concerns, you know, like, um, again, Scherzer, especially the last few seasons in the playoffs has not looked great. And, and Verlander had good moments in the playoffs, but also had like shaky ones too. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's a big, big gamble to take at that age where it really feels like those are the two guys that you're really dependent on now. You know, again, there's no DeGrom to like ease that pressure. And I will say, I can kind of agree with like Mets fans justifications on would you rather have five years of Jacob DeGrom who has not finished a complete season over the last three years or two seasons of Justin Verlander who since coming back from Tommy John surgery has looked like a a brand new pitcher and I think the the risk reward is far greater in terms of just giving two years of a contract to Justin Verlander than it is to you know, keep your fingers crossed that Jacob Degrom can stay healthy at age thirty-five. Yeah, I and I think that's that's fair. That's fair decision making, you know. But I, I just I felt like the Mets have been in a in a tough spot the last two years now. Where yeah, you know, again, it, it's hard to like it's hard to be as all in as they are while also thinking about the future as much as they are. You know, like they're kind of I, I feel like the Mets are caught between two two frames of mind, and that's I think explains a lot about them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and speaking of the Mets, Matt, uh, before we, we get into more of the Mets and the Phillies, I want to talk to everybody about our amazing merch partners, PHI Apparel Company. They've got new Trey Turner merch available on their website right now, uh, and it's two pretty awesome designs. There is a uh, pretty famous movie uh, poster recreated there. I don't know if you saw this one, Matt, but it's pretty nice. Uh, the old stepbrothers, <laughs> Trey and Bryce, and then there is also the Ice Trey, uh, which is not sure where it went, but there is a, another Trey Turner design on their website as well. They've got Christmas sweaters available as well for the Eagles and the, the Sixers. Uh, the shout out Brooklyn Vaughn, the My Quarterback Squat 600 Pound shirt is up, plus all of our merch is available on their website, phiapparel.co. New uh, design capsule for us is going to be dropping by the end of the week, so make sure you go check that out. And when you guys are rocking the best merch in the business, you're going to stand out at the stadiums, the arena, the bar, wherever it may be, and uh, you guys can use code UNDERGROUND at phiapparel.co for 10% off your order. That's phiapparel.co, code UNDERGROUND, 10% off any and all merch. Uh, so go get your merch now, go get your Trey Turner merch, go get your underground sports, your favorite podcast, go rep. And, uh, they've got some awesome designs in the pipeline as well. So go check them out now and go support us. It's the easiest way to support everything we're doing here at underground sports. Just go get your merch. Uh, Matt, do you remember the last time the Phillies signed a free agent pitcher away from the Mets? I do. Um, turned out pretty good. And I think what's interesting too is there were similar concerns about Wheeler, as as there is um, with Walker that you know second half of the season sort of fades. I do think with Walker it's a little more pronounced. Um, you know Wheeler it always felt like you know you're making like a smarter bet, but I think it's it's a it's not like the top level guy, but I think when you see Trey's contract, it's hard to work in now that one of those elite, you know, like a Rodon, right? But um, I think as far as like getting like an established starter as like a fourth guy, yep. Instead of Kyle Gibson, I think this is I'm good with it. Yeah, I, you know, this is not like this is not like blows your door off signing, but this is a a good signing, and this is a guy that is gonna like provide you quality innings throughout the year, um, and it's gonna simultaneously like ease the burden on your starters while also he's not going to be someone that you're super dependent on either you know which is, is probably going to be good for him in, in some of his history so he's also only 30 years old Taiwan Walker your new Phillies pitcher signs a four-year 72 million dollar contract with the Phils last night tweets out the uh just a simple video Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Goes on his Instagram, posts dreams and nightmares, playing on his phone. He also got the Bryce Harper text. Just what to do. immediately immersing himself. It's, I imagine it like a timeshare meeting where like you, <laughs> it's like, but it's like a Zoom call and it's like yes. Bryce Harper. He's not selling you a timeshare though, but he's just like explaining you like, here's how to get these idiots to love you immediately. It's very simple. Like 
There's just simple creatures that live here. But tweeted this morning, uh, blasting Meek Mill for this workout, and uh, everybody was loving it. He's only 30 years old, which is fantastic. Dylan and I have been the biggest Taiwan Walker fans since he was with the Diamondbacks, and I tweeted going into the 2021 season when a lot of people were talking about Taiwan Walker as a potential fit for the Phillies. I said, bring me Taiwan Walker. Two years later, they brought me Taiwan Walker. Um, in you know, he's made his way around the American League, started his career with the Seattle Mariners, uh, then was traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2017, was there until 2019. Then he went back to the Mariners in 2020, went to the Blue Jays at the trade deadline in 2020, and then signed with the Mets in 2021 and was there last year as well. But like you said, as a number four starter to come in, he'll be behind Wheeler, Nola, and Ranger Suarez. Then, you know, you have Taiwan Walker, who also not only very solid pitcher, can get innings for you, uh, he had a 2.6 WAR last year. Went 12 and five with a 3.49 ERA in 29 games started. 132 strikeouts in 157 and one third innings. He's also just a really good dude. Has you know, for Mets fans last year, got you know young fans tickets for you know parents who may not have been able to afford for their kids to go to City Field and go see a Mets game. Hooked fans up with that. Tweeted out during Pride Month, you know, a love is love shirt. Like, he's he's just a very good, like, community ambassador as well. Like, it would not shock me if Taiwan Walker is one of the nominees next year for the Phillies for the Roberto Clemente Award. Um, and the Phillies need a guy like that on this team. Like, it's, it's very cool to have somebody who's going to immerse themselves into the community that they're in. And I think for him to come in here as the number four guy, was an all-star in 2021 for the Mets. Um, I think this is a super solid signing, especially with where you think the market's going to go. You saw Jamison Tyone sign with the Cubs for $68 million. He's had injury issues in the past. You know Carlos Rodon's going to get paid like a mofo uh, when he signs. So to go and get your number four guy, he's going to be here till he's 34. I think this is a really, really solid signing for Dave Dombrowski. Yeah, I mean – price of starting pitching is just it's a Crazy. premium right now you know like because everyone everyone needs <laughs> an additional arm you know there's really not a, a competitive team out there that doesn't want that extra starter so um yeah, the prices may be a little like a, a tick higher than you'd want it to be but also again I, I think if you're if you're going on the market now you're just gonna have to pay that little bit of a premium and and that's what and I, I think again when you talk about painter and able potentially working their way into the the lineup here like it, I think it becomes even better and easier to, to see how this makes a lot of sense, right? Because Scott could even be, like, conceivably a fifth starter, you know? Like, yeah. if, if the hype is real, you know? Correct. But it, I, I think it just makes – this is what I was so frustrated about going into last season with some of the starting pitching in the bullpen. It was like, I think this just makes your life a little bit easier. And it, it like, lowers the pressure – that is on these young guys to immediately come up and produce. Because there's going to be pressure this year that there wasn't last year. You know, last year there was, like, the want and, like, maybe some expectation about this team, like, maybe making the playoffs. The, the expectation for the Phillies this year, you know, it hasn't hit yet because we're not at that point of, like, where we're really talking about this team and, and what we expect. But the expectation is going to be that this team wins the division and that this team is back in the World Series. Like it or not, you may be in that, maybe those aren't the most realistic ones, but that is where people's minds are going to be at. Because once you give the people November baseball, you know, like they want more November baseball. Like that's that's just the way it goes. So, um, you know, I, I think again, just, just adding someone like this that's going to be able to ease that pressure and not make it so, the, the margin's so fine is important. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, there's been, Talk amongst, you know, just online Phillies fans and people who cover the team, like making a, a kind of interesting take um, for this Phillies team and like this being the year to kind of deploy it. And I think I'm kind of talking myself into it more. How would you feel if the Phillies this year went with an approach of having six starters instead of five? Yeah, I... I get where people are like coming from with that. Um, and I think most of this for everybody listening or watching, it's mostly because you don't know when Andrew Painter's going to get called up if he cracks the opening day roster, which Rob Thompson said he's the guy that would have the best opportunity to. 
and then you kind of have an opportunity to kind of like mess around with you know his innings and not overworking him as a 19 20 year old um but i i don't hate the concept i get where people are coming from because i think i do think though it's a little bit of like maybe circular logic is the word i think it's like backwards thinking where it's like well the phillies have struggled with pitching late in the season because of guys being overworked how can we best avoid doing that let's just add an additional rotation person i think if every team in baseball would be doing it if it was that easy and that just like accessible it's but the thing is it's not even during the regular season where you know the fourth or fifth day starters aren't always going to be you know blowing your doors off and, and amazing guys you know it's just not easy to find guys that can chew up innings like that like it, it's it's just a challenge you know it's again when you're paying 18 20 million for uh, just like above average pitching, right? Like you're not even talking about like star level pitching, elite level pitching that's going to cost you 35, 40 plus million. You know, it's just, it's just a challenge. Um, if the Phillies can find the talent, sure. Right? Yeah. You know, that that's the big question mark. I think, again, you know, like the focus this season should be on like managing innings a little bit more. Um, and that's for not even just pitching JT. I think, you know, you need to, take a, mm-hmm. a a good look at, at that because uh, he managed like what like 15 games more than than the next like pitcher like just a an insane like workhorse so um it's yeah. not like your backup catcher now is andrew knapp it's garrett stubbs who is a very quality above average right. backup catcher even andrew knapp at moments was not yeah. you know <laughs> not awful but yeah and I, I mean I this past season we saw garrett stubbs win games for the phillies absolutely so i, I think that has to be the focus now too um Last one that was reported late last night as well. Uh, Todd Zalecki confirming the Phillies will be bringing in Matt Strom as well for the bullpen, another lefty reliever who I really want to like him a lot. <laughs> he He's an electric factory. We tweeted out from the underground Twitter uh, just a clip of him from last year getting a, a big strikeout for the Red Sox, and he's he's just full of energy. And that's what I think this bullpen needs is just more guys like that with that that cocky confidence because uh, that's what you want from your bullpen. Like your bull bullpens in baseball are almost the equivalent to like defensive backs in football, where like you want them to be as like confident and cocky as possible because when they're on, they're on. But when they're not, you you don't even want to see them. He had a three eight three ERA for 50, in fifty appearances for the Red Sox last year. You now have two very quality lefties with him and Alvarado in the bullpen, this is basically like your Brad Hand replacement, which, fantastic. <laughs> um, he had a better FIP, expected FIP, K percentage, and walk percentage than Brad Hand last year. Um, I think it's a super solid contract, and their fan graphs is projecting him to be so much better than what Brad Hand will be in 2023. So, Yeah. Um, I think, too, like I was – reading like red sox fans talk about him and i think whenever they're like feel a little bummed to be losing out on a guy you know you've got yourself i think too like you know part of the issue for him last year was that the the red sox as a team were pretty injured Uh, apparently he had to pitch a lot more like high stress like high value innings that maybe you know he doesn't have to do so that could be uh, beneficial to him as well. So yeah, I, I it's kind of exactly what I'd asked for. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Like, give me you know one of one of the big four of the shortstops, and then give me like a a good starting pitcher and a good bullpen guy, and then you know we can we can fill in the rest. And I think it's been already you know we're sitting here early December, and uh, I feel like the Phillies have had a, a good off season. Yeah, which, I mean, is, which is fantastic. Strong pitch. He started his career with the Royals, and he went to the Padres for four years. And then last year with the Red Sox, I mean, to get him away from a team that who knows what they're going to be. And like you said, had to pitch in a number of situations where we feel like he's not going to have to be this year with the Phillies. That's big time. Uh, You know, just getting better bullpen pieces was a a huge point of emphasis for me. And I think for you as well, like for this team this offseason, you can't go out there and find these retreads like the Corey Knievels, like you know, the Brad Hands, the stupid Jerry's Familia signing from last year. Like, I, I think this was a a very solid one, two, three punch so far for the Phillies. Um, now I think the next question is what's next? You know, I think these are just three big time signings in degree of like one, two, three going down the line. 
But now, you know, some of the options we had talked about a couple weeks ago, of like how do you, you know, fill the void for Bryce Harper in right field? Some of those guys are off the board. Mitch Hanniger going to the Giants uh, along with Arson Judge. Um, you know, Cody Bellinger signs a one-year deal with the Cubs. Like there, there's going to be a little bit of question mark in right field depending on, you know, what the Phillies do. But I think that's the next thing you try to figure out who's that, you know, platoon fourth outfielder going to be that's, going to be playing a bit more than platoon while Bryce is out for the first half of the year yeah um I think I think these are like the three main areas it seems that the Phillies really wanted to address and were proactive about doing and I would imagine they will take a more just um economic approach (laughs) (laughs) I think they have about 15 million to spend after the Strom deal before they hit the second luxury tax threshold, which they've never hit in franchise history. Right. So, and I, you know, again, they've spent the money. I'm not going to like yeah. chastise them, but I think, um, I think they're going to be a little penny pinching from here on out, which is fair. Like, you know, when you spent the money that you have again, this off season, I think it makes sense. Cause you want to also give yourself breathing space for trade deadline. Yes. Taking on maybe a bigger contract and, already thinking about next offseason potential extensions know. for the guys on this team already like right, an Aaronola. Like, exactly you know like you and um I, I think that's fair you know because you only have what two more years of Zach Wheeler too like you know it's just there's just a lot there's a lot more than just the money for this season that, yeah. that gets uh considered and I think part of this offseason too even though we went to the World Series last year I think part of this offseason was the moves the Phillies made at the deadline last year Going and getting Brandon Marsh, so you don't have to focus on center field now this offseason. Going and getting Edmundo Sosa, so you don't have to worry about that bench, you know, defensive, uh, you know, late-inning replacement guy. You don't have to sign that guy in free agency. You traded for him. Um, So, I mean, I think those two moves alone helped a lot. And, you know, just looking at the the free agent ticker now, another guy we talked about for the bullpen, Kenley Jansen, goes to the Red Sox. Uh, so he's out of the division at least now too, which is big. Um, like we mentioned, Jose Quintana signs with the Mets, but now you look, you know, down the line of who's still available. Uh, and we don't have to worry about Aaron judge in the national league as well, which is great. Thank you. Yankees finally doing something of note. Um, I mean, you're looking at the next round of free agency almost, Noah Syndergaard's still out there. I wouldn't hate if the Phillies were able to bring him back on a one-year deal. I thought he was we, – we've talked about it a number of times. He was fantastic for what he was, for who the type of pitcher he is now. He was great. To bring him back, I think, would be a very smart decision by the Phillies. Um, and then you look you know, down the line at some of these you know, potential bullpen guys. Craig Kimbrell is a free agent still. Um, Zach Britton is a free agent still. Will Smith, um, looking in, you know, the Corey Knievel, I doubt he's back, um, just cause of the injury stuff. Mike Miner is a free agent. He's kind of a bullpen guy at this point in his career as well. But I mean, that's kind of where you are in terms of the free agent pitching market almost is kind of just looking at this next round of guys. And if anybody fits into the the equation there Michael Givens who was a, a deadline acquisition for the Mets bullpen last year so I mean it's it's not the the creme de la creme but it is that next tier of guys where you can get away with hey we'll give you a one-year contract we'll give you a one-year prove-it deal Alex Colome who's been tied to the Phillies for the last like five years is a free agent as well so I mean that's kind of what the Phillies are going to be looking at now as uh the winter meetings you know kind of come to a close yeah Stove got hot pretty quick. Pretty hot. Uh, Aaron Judge signs, too, which is great. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, going back to the Yankees, he's going to be the, the captain now of the Yankees as well. Dude finessed like an extra $130 million. So <sighs> Good for him. Maybe the best contract year? Yes. <laughs> Easy. Uh, especially having the contract year after a new CBA gets signed. Yeah. So good job by him. Uh, I'm going to add this guy to the list of potential platoon outfielders, Rymel Tapia. He's a left fielder by trade. Uh, 
So, I mean, you could use him in left field if you want to put Schwarber at DH and play some guys elsewhere. He's only 28. He'll be 29, I think, by the time the season starts. I think he's a severely underrated outfielder. Was with the Blue Jays last year. Spent most of his career with the Rockies. Um, I would really like him on this team. Um, And just looking through some of the other free agent outfielder options here now that, you know, our guy Mitch Hanniger's off the board, which stinks, um, but he got paid by the the Giants as their Aaron Judge replacement, if you will. Um, so looking at the outfielders now, of who you have, and, you know, Philly's not getting the alleged signing from Japan either. He's going to the Red Sox now. For a lot of money. Yeah, 100 <laughs> milli. Good for him. Um, looking here, I mean, like, the likes of, like, A.J. Pollock is a free agent. Um, Adam Duvall is a free agent. Kevin Kiermeyer still a free agent. Um, so I mean, you're kind of you've you've got some solid options if you want to bring a fourth outfielder in from the outside. Jerks and Profar free agent that would be hilarious uh, to sign him after the complaining he did in the the NLCS. Like I said, Rymel Tapia, Corey Dickerson, uh, Kevin Pillar. So, I mean, there's names still out there in the outfield market, and it, it wouldn't shock me either if Dave Dombrowski decides, hey, we're going to make a trade as well. Yeah. So, that's where we're at the Phils, which is it's just all good vibes with the Philadelphia Phillies now. And uh, even though Bryce isn't playing, three guys still on the World Baseball Classic roster. Kyle Schwarber commits to Team USA. Trey Turner's in. JT is in. It's all good. It's all coming up Phillies. Um, speaking of coming up good, the Philadelphia Eagles. It's time to talk some birds. Brought to you by our friends over at Trophy Smack. Guys, it's never too late to upgrade your fantasy smack talk, and you can do that instantly with our friends at Trophy Smack. They've got metal wall art now to upgrade your fantasy smack talk. They've got trophies, rings, belts, you name it. I'm sure the fantasy leagues you're in have been around for quite some time, and their trophies need some upgrading. You guys can go to trophysmack.com slash underground and go upgrade that fantasy smack talk today. That's trophysmack.com slash underground. Link is in the description, both on audio and on YouTube. Matt Jalen Hurts, back-to-back weeks, the offensive player of the week. A.J. Brown gets maybe the best revenge game of all time as the guy who traded him gets fired the same week. Um, I mean, everything's coming up Eagles now in the NFL. They're... Sitting pretty at the top of the division, sitting pretty at the top of the NFL. And now you've got a date with the New York Giants who are kind of starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, um, they've obviously had a, a tough stretch recently. And I think you could make the case, too, that the Giants, even when they were playing well or winning games, I should say, were not necessarily playing well. It's a, a little bit of variance, I think, with uh, with a little bit of the, the Giants this season. So... That Titans game was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think it was a game to be have some reasonable concern about with the way the Titans have played this year. And I mean, Traylon Burks getting like knocked out of the game very early on does not help. Um, you know, the, the Titans' offense in any way. But yeah, I think it's a big statement game. It's a uh, it's again you're you're just keeping pace at the top of the conference as well, top of the division because. I'll say, like, the Eagles and Cowboys have really separated themselves, I think, as as the two teams, especially when you consider Jimmy Garoppolo's injury and what that does for the 49ers. It really, I, I think, caps their ceiling. It, it yeah. has to, has to honestly. Um, Even though it's reported now it's not season-ending, but, like... Right, you know, it's, you know, he has the potential to return in seven, yeah. eight weeks. Okay. You know, like... <laughs> How much of football shape is he going to be in? Right, like, it's just... <laughs> What he's gonna get thrown into a potential NFC Championship game, you know, like it's against just, this potential Eagles defense, right? Like, you know, I I don't know. I I just think um I think you, you have to think of them as, as taking a, a step yeah. backwards now and um, defense not, still very good, but absolutely you gotta be able to score can keep you in the game, but right? Like I'm just imagining Brock Purdy going into you know philadelphia and and winning a game or, or something you know, like that's just it's like case easy. keenum 2.0 so now that cowboys game in a few weeks though is really you know talk about <laughs> it, it's going to mean something you know because i think that'll be that that could be the game 
you know, the way it's going, that could clinch the, the division yeah. <laughs> for the Eagles, uh, but also really, you know, tie up, like, obviously, the, the number one seed, too. Um, I think, too, that will settle, like, a lot of – because the narrative for the next two weeks, I expect, is going to be about these two teams and how good they are and, you know, who they really played. Right, yeah, I, I think there will be, like, questions in that regard, too. So, um, But, I mean, it means a lot because, you know, the the Cowboys, I don't think, will want to play the Buccaneers. Yeah. As – not great as the Buccaneers have looked. <laughs> it's still tough. But, you know, both teams, you know, the, the Cowboys have the Texans and Jaguars next. You'd expect that they're winning those games. Right. The Eagles have the Giants and Bears next. You expect, based on the way the season has gone, that the Eagles will be winning those games. You know, so both teams will, again, still just be separated by a little bit. You know, what, two games uh, going in that with the Eagles already having the tiebreaker. Yeah. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. This uh, Christmas Eve game also might be the Cowboys saying hello to uh, their recruit. As I don't know if you saw the tweet this morning, Matt. Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio from the Pro Football Talk account, because that's where he tweets from, tweeted this morning at 8.16 a.m. Last year when the OBJ free agency sputtered, we said, watch the Rams. As this year's OBJ free agency sputters, I'll say this, watch the Eagles. Didn't make a lot of sense to me at all when I saw this. Because I saw all my time. I was like, why is everyone talking about keep Odell Beckham Jr. away from this Eagles locker room? Like, we're not even, like, trying to sign him. And then I saw this tweet, and I was like, well, that came out of nowhere. Odell's been getting, like, shown around Dallas like he's, you know, a high school recruit going to college. Was at the Mavs game the other night with a bunch of Cowboys players. The Cowboys uh, official account a couple weeks ago tweeting like Dak Prescott's pitch to Odell. And then it comes out and says that the Cowboys weren't, there were some red flags about Odell and uh, his injury and just the, the recovery process. And they don't know if they want to make that commitment, which is just beyond comical to me. It's, I think we talked about it like a week or two ago. I've never seen this like advanced public court even during like the off season you know when it's like there's a big free agent i've I've just never seen this kind of like courting happen especially in football where it's just not i, I don't know um it's bizarre and i think too he is coming off an acl injury he's not second one same knee he's not exactly young you know like he, just what is his impact right. You know, right away like i he comes in in january and has to like work himself into shape and has to like learn whatever system it is and and learn his role. Like it's not like he's not a next year couldn't be like an uh, a nice player to have in your team, right? But like I just feel like the impact I feel like people are just hanging on to the fact that he played well in the Super Bowl and really unfortunately got injured in the Super Bowl, which sucks. You know, like that's that, that's terrible. And also like another <laughs> casualty of the SoFi Stadium turf, yeah. which is ridiculous, but you know, I I just think I just think people have gotten a little overblown on it. <laughs> like, what what is the actual value that Odell Beckham is bringing you? I don't know that it's equal to the hype that the free agency chase of Odell Beckham Jr. is giving you. Yeah, and apparently part of the situation, too, is that Odell wanted to be signed through 2023 as well. Um, which, I mean, from his point of view, makes a ton of sense. Like, you want a little bit of stability if you're going somewhere to sign, uh, especially coming off the injuries and everything, but... Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to end up in Dallas. The other two teams that were in the mix were his former team, the New York Giants, and the Buffalo Bills, where his best friend Von Miller plays, who is now out for the year with an ACL injury of his own. I just don't see where... And, like, is Odell Beckham Jr. on paper a very talented player? Absolutely. Like, he was one of those guys Eagles fans, like, hated to love because he played for the Giants and was such a, you know, game-changing dynamic player. But you know, where does he fit in in this Eagles offense that has been high octane and running on all cylinders with the guys that are already here? Nick Sirianni said uh when people asked him about the rumors like he said, this is the best wide receiver group I've ever been able to coach, you know, at any point in my NFL career, which I mean, I completely agree with him. This wide receiver room is super talented. And he said he loves the room that they have. Kind of did the typical coach speak about it. I just don't see where Odell kind of fits into the equation because of, 
obviously A.J. Brown is here, Devontae Smith is here, you're not taking those guys off the field. And I think Quez Watkins has done a more than serviceable job as your slot receiver. So are you going to sign Odell to have him be like your fourth wide receiver? Yeah, I, I just feel like it doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense. Again, I just feel like the the hype is really outweighing the potential impact. So, and I mean, people, you know, bleeding green nation talking about Mike Florio getting scoops. He tweeted on Tuesday, "Don't be surprised if the Rams end up with Baker Mayfield." Like, sure, like you know, he's one of those guys. He's he's not your traditional insider like an Adam Schefter or anything like that. Um, but Mike Florio gets information fed to him about specific players that he has good relationships with. And I, that's my biggest question. Like if the Eagles are going to go and sign Odell Beckham Jr. For whatever reason, like, I just don't know where he fits in on a game day on the roster in terms of just like him getting the amount of reps that he would probably want to get. And then does it, you know, taking away from the guys who have been playing so well already in this offense and then having to have Jalen Hurts build more chemistry with another guy. You also have Dallas Goddard coming back soon. So like that's also a a receiving weapon for this Eagles team. But um, I mean, if Howie Roseman just wants to say, Hey, I'm going to put my nuts on the table and take away a guy from a division rival who just got wined and dined by them may have gotten some, you know, tidbits about the playbook or something. You're playing the Cowboys in a couple weeks. Like, I guess, but it, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Is just like, where does where does he fit into the equation? And I just don't exactly know. I mean, he's a he's a fun weapon too in terms of the postseason, where you don't really need to be as intricate as you are in the regular season with a guy coming in late. Like you can kind of just be like, hey, here's your route tree that you're gonna run and just go. But you also got to see if you know he can actually run and that kind of stuff. Hasn't done a workout per se, with any of these teams. He's kind of just visited. So it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. But again, I just don't see where he fits in the grand scheme of this offense that has been incredibly like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Um, Wanted to get your thoughts too now that, you know, this week is passed, another week of uh, player of the week. Chiefs end up losing. How much do you think that helped Jalen Hurts' MVP stock? I think it helps. Um, I think it doesn't help that Patrick Mahomes himself did not have a bad game, you know, like really through no fault of his own. actually felt like the loss was in spite of Patrick Mahomes' best efforts. But, um, yeah, I think I think it will it, depend a lot what happens these last few weeks. You know, again, though, Patrick Mahomes has uh, – I think I – think the narrative is still in his favor, and I still think the the odds are. But if Jalen Hurts, if the Eagles end up only losing one game, <laughs> you know, like it's gonna, I think it's gonna be very hard to to not be given the MVP then. Yeah, and uh, you guys can go check out all the MVP props, everything for the rest of the NFL season, it's baseball off season, the NBA, NHL, college football playoff, college basketball. Everything at playpickup.com. It's the best place to play props. It's free to play. All you got to do is sign up with your phone number. There's no passwords to remember, no username. It's just your phone number. Uh, And you rack up points on your fan profiles by getting prop predictions correct. And then you cash those points in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. So go to playpickup.com now and start playing those headlines. Matt, I, I saw an interesting... Uh, voicemail on another podcast where somebody called in and asked the hosts who in your life would you want to write you know like the bible chapters about your life and I wanted to put a fun spin on this not necessarily about who we would want to write the chapters about our lives but who do you think uh, in the grand scheme of Philadelphia sports history athlete fan coach you know whoever it may be, who do you think would be the best of the best to write the Philadelphia sports Bible chapters? Like I'm picking someone that like this person is writing it or I'm writing it about these people. That person is writing. So it's like them tell, like helping okay. tell the story of Philadelphia sports fandom. It could be, you know, former current athlete, former current coach, a fan that, you know, we have our, our Hall of Fame fans that we see across the board. But I, it got me thinking about who would write who would help write the best Philly sports Bible uh, 
you know, of, of past and present? Uh, man, I think I'd want to go Dr. J. Um, I think I'd want Allen Iverson. I don't know that you could, he would, he, both of those guys, I think have their own part in Philly sports history, but are also like from two different generations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the, the book of Dr. J (laughs) reading from the book of AI of the, of the answer. So those are, those would be my two, like off the top guesses. I I think that I would, I would want, cause like Dr. J I think gives you that like smooth. And I, I think like, Gives you that like he's a, he's a recognizable figure, and so is Allen Iverson. Yeah. Obviously. But Allen Iverson too, I think, ha- adds a little bit of. Uh, I'm just imagining Allen Iverson sitting down for like a documentary type of thing, or like going into the recording booth and like doing a voiceover, and I like find that like really yeah charming and funny. So, I think those are the two Sixers I would pick as well. Honorable mention is obviously Joel. Um, I mean, we could probably do because it's what four four guys from the traditional Bible. Probably do four Matthew, for each team. Mark, Luke, and John. So I mean, Doctor J, Allen Iverson, Joel Embiid, and Barkley, Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala <laughs> <laughs> certainly has a has a has a place for sure. Um, I mean, Larry Brown, <laughs> certainly, uh, or Brett Brown. Yeah. Probably. You could do Mo Cheeks. You could do like a lot of uh Phillies. Sixers got a lot to left to choose from. For yeah. Sure. Uh I don't know for other sports. It's tough because there's no there's not many people that stick out like I think the cool. Phillies Lenny Dykstra. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, for entertainment value. Lenny Dykstra yeah. would be, I think. I mean, like John Kruk and Mike Kruk would I think, yeah, would be the the two, I, I think, I right think, off the bat that are. I think Kruk, and then just kind of your pick of anyone from the '08. I think that's that's how that would go. Jimmy Rollins is probably Jimmy Rollins, well spoken. I, I think he'd be good. It brings that like he has like good charisma. Probably Victorino. That's a good one too. Um, do you throw Bryce in the mix? Not yet. Not yet. I just think I'm just also imagining like do I like I like Bryce. Oh, you know you know who goes. It's, I don't know that I want to be listening. <laughs> you know, like it's just like it's got to be Charlie Manuel. Yeah, yeah. Hard to argue with that. I think it's got to be Charlie Manuel. Um, Swing from your ass. <laughs> it's hitting season, boys. Eagles. I think you got to go. I think Doug Peterson has to be part of the equation. Since he won the Super Bowl and was here as a player, so you get kind of two different vantage points. Yeah, Carson Wentz. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking Bible, <laughs> certainly he might have already made one. Yeah, you know, it's uh, been passed around state by state. I think Brian Dawkins, yeah, goes into the mix. Absolutely. Um, let's see. I mean, Jason Kelsey, I think, is also in there. And then uh, David I mean, Akers. <laughs> I mean, if we're also going dead or alive, you want to talk Bible verses, the minister of defense. Yeah. You go Reggie White. Yeah, Reggie White. From that, that era. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a... A solid one. I think Andy Reid would be in there for some people over Doug, but uh, I think Doug Peterson gets you both perspectives from a player and coach standpoint. Flyers is an interesting one, just because I forget they exist sometimes. It's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, I would pick. I think. I think generally people would pick like Lindros, right? Like because mm-hmm. he's like this, like I don't know, transcending. Yeah, like people really have attached themselves yeah. to Derek Lindros for for better or for worse. I mean one of my favorite flyers of all time is Keith Primo, so I would have to I almost like wanna give it to Jim Jackson, even though he's not yeah. you know, like but he to me is like such an iconic voice. Um I like that. Add Merrill Reese to the Eagles list yeah, too. Hundred like, percent. 
Merrill uh, and Mike. Yeah, really, like, put Zoom off on the Sixers list. Yep. You're like, give them all. Because uh, I think, again, if you're writing an actual Bible verse, probably probably best for the people that went best to, like, for journalism the broad- school, yeah. you know? The broadcasting <laughs> people. And then actually, it. like, write. Harry Callis, you know. <laughs> write these things on the regular. Um, uh, Claude Giroux, I think. Claude Giroux. It's got to be someone that's, you know, like, is, like, kind of good at talking. <laughs> yeah which is tough with the hockey players very true because they're just like i think naturally a like more reserved reserved bunch um who would i say is like really just been outspoken i'm gonna bring donald Brashear back and just <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of people would say bernie perrant yeah hextall would be interesting yeah you could do hextall you could do man you could do like the Jeff Carter, Michael Richards. Uh, that's like where those old uh, band documentaries were unplugged. Yeah. Like behind the music, behind the music. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, the Philadelphia Union. Man, it's tough because I mean, <laughs> it's like a a team without a ton of history. Um. I think he'd have to get Latou just because uh, I think of his importance to like the the team in its early stages, its most formative stages. He's almost like the Jim Tomei of the yeah. Union. I think he'd have to do Jim Curtin at this point. Like, yeah. I just, I don't, you know, there's, there's just not a ton. Arguably best coach in the city. Not a ton to pick from. Bedoya and Blake would probably be like yeah. the players, I think, that would, uh, Especially Bedoy, I think. Yeah. I like that. There it is. Your Philly Sports Bible. Brought to you by our brains. Um, we'll touch on the the basketball team in this city. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, out of his walking boot. Still no timetable on his return. And I think uh, Big Bro Zoe said it best. Good for him. He doesn't need this team besmirching his name. Um Sixers are just bad, man. Like, I you know what I, I I was actually thinking about this in the shower because the process was meant to get this team to a place where it was like a perennial like top three seed, and for like a few years that was the Sixers, yeah. and like we weren't gonna be the team that's like in this like weird like mixed zone, and here we are, and it's like I've never felt more despondent about the Sixers. So it's like I just man. Watch like two minutes of Monday. I was like, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> like I like the Eagles being as good as they are, and the Phillies just being back. Yeah, it's tough. It's like I have no interest right now in devoting early December dedication to a team that won't get out of their own way because they failed to realize that coaching is an issue. Vibes are bad, um, and it just it feels like it just feels like a bad environment with with Doc around, and that it just until until he's gone, I I just it's so hard to care. It's so because it's just it's the same thing. It's, it's just watching the same show over and over again. It's not fun <laughs> it's, at all. It's not enjoyable, and um, yeah, it's just tough to watch. And it's like, you know, I I saw somebody bring it up too. You know, there's there's all these there's so much talk from former employees in the Sixers organization at so many levels and like just how toxic of a place it is to work and just like how not fun it is. And I feel like the dam has finally broken and it's trickled down onto the team. Yeah. I mean, the body language is not good. I I don't think the like post game pressers are good. I I just think again, again, I think I think Doc was part of that, man. Yep. I really do. I I think it was it's it was a mistake to hire him. It was a mistake to not fire him. I think you've had two very reasonable times to do that. Yeah, the last two seasons. Um, for, for as much blame as you want to put on Ben Simmons for that Hawk series, I think an equal amount yep. <laughs> should be going to the one Mister Doc Rivers. So, um, yeah. And you just see like how much ownership actually matters. In the city now too, like you you look at the Eagles where Jeffrey Lurie cares, and you know the the front office cares about winning. They want that to be like the gold standard. 
you see what the Phillies did where John Middleton realized, hey, something's not working and we've got to make a change. You bring in Dave Dombrowski. Dombrowski realizes something's got to change. They fire Girardi and they go to the World Series and now this team at least is like showing that they're starting to care and showing that winning is important again and it's not just all talk. It's not just John Middleton going to WIP in 2017 anymore, saying he's going to get his trophy back and waiting around. We're in that moment now, which I think is super important for the Phillies as a team and as an organization. You look at the union, like they care about winning. They care about being the best at developing talent, the best at, you know, putting the number one product out on the field to help not only those players get to that next level, but also this team to to win. And they've kind of been the gold standard of the MLS and this city over the past couple of seasons to show what a true winner is about. And then you look at the Wells Fargo Center and both teams playing in there, like ownership just does not give a shit about any of that. I will say the Sixers ownership at least is like willing to spend the money, but it feels like a... It just feels like it's been mismanaged. Yes. You know, like it feels like we've spent the money, but it, it has not been in the best, most efficient way. And it feels like, again, like the Sixers are sort of collecting a bill from like the eighteen nineteen season up until now, you know, where it's like there was just that the Elton Brand era, the, the Colangelo era uh, just damaged this team in a lot of ways, like going forward especially asset wise. And now you've, you've kind of put yourself in a tough spot and it's always going to be tough to work your way out of that. And I just think it's all kind of compounded on them now. And that's what you're seeing. Yeah. So that's where we're at with the Sixers. Um, the Flyers just again, kind of being the Flyers and what we expected them to be. Uh, but Matt, let's get to survivor 43 penultimate episode. I think of this season tonight and uh, quite the episode last week where we get a classic survivor challenge three people with immunity almost four had sammy shot in the dark worked um but sammy gets voted out uh still nobody knows that he's 19 years old and now it's kind of you know balls to the wall let's let's see what happens tonight but i thought it was pretty interesting that they brought back the challenge that they did yeah i um Never thought we'd see that one again. A uh, bit of a... I, I've noticed that they've been bringing back some challenges. Like, for me, some challenges that at least I'm like, damn, I remember that one. That, was, yeah. that one, though, like, I always saw, like, I don't know that we'll see that one again. So, um, and then they outlast the literal ocean. Which is just like... <laughs> I also love the, the editing in the challenge, bringing back the classic Survivor music throughout it yeah. was very nice. Uh, I would love for an opening intro every week again. Because yeah. uh, those are always fun, but unreal that they were able to both Owen and Carla make it past high tide. And Cody making the smart bets. Yep, that's what we like. Cody knows how to how to pick them. Um, pretty crazy tribal. Um, I don't know that I necessarily saw Sammy being the guy getting voted out from just the way the episode flowed, but he joins the jury, and now we're down to the final six. Yeah. Um, Sammy, it felt like was just a little bit on the outside, but yeah, yeah, like the, he, he was talking about playing a shot in the dark. I was like, damn, really? And then you see the vote. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> clearly it's, I think it's one of those occasions where the players like on the beach know just a lot more than we do, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and there's just, you know, there's 43 minutes that they get to show us, you know, you're not gonna be able to fit the entire, uh, entire time that you want into it. So is that the last time we see the shot in the dark? In Survivor history. Probably. Probably. Yeah. That'll be nice. He at least used it in a situation, too, where it was like it made sense yeah. for him to use it. Sammy impressed me a little bit. Like, I kind of seemed like, you know, he's just going to be like kind of a goofball. But, like, he did actually seem to, like, have a decent, like, handle on the game. Like, I know, you know, he gets voted out and whatever. But, like, felt like he actually, like, was a player, you know? Sometimes you see, like... Especially like a 19-year-old, it, it's not common for them to actually be there and not just feel like they're kind of just there. Did feel like a a, a pillar, you know. And, yeah. And a, like his own like player in his own right. Didn't really feel like he was being dragged there by anyone. 100%. So we're down to Cody, Cassidy, Carla, Gabler, Owen, and Jesse. 
who, if you would have told me preseason this would be your final six, I don't think I would have believed you. Yeah. Um, I am excited because, again, it's it's the same feeling I have last week. I, I just feel like anyone can win. You could tell me any one of those those players win, and I, I don't know that I'd be surprised to see the path for all of them. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it, uh, how it shapes up because this is where it gets like, you really kind of have to be perfect and some things have to break your way a little bit here to, to get to the end. So I think of this final six, Cody has impressed me the most. Cody's impressed me a lot. Jesse's impressed me a lot. Carla's impressed me a lot. Those are the three I think that have impressed me the most. Um, you know, but again, you know, Gabler, Owen and Cassidy, I think have all played a good, good game too, to get to this stage. So. Um, I'd be excited to see see any of them win. And it's even from uh, original tribe distribution. Two from each original tribe still left. Still have a tri-state, you know, our tri-state that we claim, you know, Philly, New York, or uh, New Jersey, and Delaware, because yeah. Carla's from Newark. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting, you know, final six, and then getting down to that eventual final three next week. But uh, again. Still have no idea who's gonna win this whole thing. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to read right now. It's been a it's been a wild season. Very excited to see how it all goes down. Make sure you guys follow at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter and follow us on the socials: Twitter, Instagram at Underground PHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL three one one. Subscribe to the podcast feed: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It really does go a long way for helping us continue to grow the show. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes, live streams, and original content all on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Make sure you subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, and comment down below your thoughts on everything Matt and I discussed tonight, your excitement about Trey Turner, Taiwan Walker, and Matt Stram. And, uh... Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. But this has been episode number 488 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next time, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.